Northern Ireland Chamber of Commerce and Industry are delighted to partner with Narratology, the Belfast-based executive search firm, on a high-profile and inspirational CEO in conversation with podcast series. The series will feature the stories of business leaders from across various sectors of Northern Ireland's commercial and industrial community with the aim of inspiring listeners by sharing the experiences of our C-suite guests. Hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of Northern Ireland Chamber's podcast series In Conversation With, presented by me, Mark Devonport. In this podcast, we try to find out what makes our local business leaders tick via a relaxed, informal chat brought to you by the Chamber in partnership with the executive search firm Narratology. Today, I'm talking to Ray Hutchinson, Managing Director of the Construction Contractors Gilbert Ash, which has played a role in major building projects at well-known London landmarks like the National Portrait Gallery, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office and the Royal College of Music. Gilbert Ash has also carried out work in more than 40 countries across the world with its construction, fit-out and refurbishment specialists employed as far afield as Poland, Bahrain, China, Japan and Australia. Uh, Ray, you're very welcome to In Conversation With. Can I just start at the beginning? Uh, Can you tell us a bit about your background, where you came from and what has shaped who you are today? Yes, of course, Mark, and and thank you very much indeed for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you today. Um, I suppose my background is quite removed from the construction industry as I began my career as an accountant in a textile business all the way back uh, in 1994. Uh, I studied accounting at Queen's University, having sort of briefly considered uh, a degree in law, Uh, but I realised around that time that it would, I suppose, a, a, a career in accounting would open up a whole host of opportunities for me beyond uh, a law degree. So, um, as I said, my first job, my first position was in a family-run textile business, uh, which was, you know, a great exposure to to life in a relatively small business at the time, but I got a broad range of of experience with that particular company. Moved from there then to a much larger organization than the food industry, which was an organization which was uh, quoted in the Irish Stock Exchange. So completely different, uh, very different uh, sort of way of working, uh, different pressures, different uh, deadlines. Uh, and as I say, great, again, no, great, great sort of uh, lessons learned for me there. Moved from there then to another uh, position, again, in the fast-moving consumer goods industry, uh, local company, a very successful business, uh, joined that business as a financial a financial controller, um, and then moving from there, joined uh, Gilbert Ash in, in 2003, and I suppose it's here that I, I truly feel at home, uh, not least because, you know, I can bring ambition and drive and, and energy uh, along with that of my colleagues to really sort of lead an excellent team here at Gilbert Ash. So uh, a, a bit of a, bit of a a career history there for you, but um, hopefully that gives you a sense of, of where I've come from. I suppose insofar as who has shaped who I am, you know, I would point and, and give a lot of credit to my to my family. You know, I think they have been instrumental in, in helping me and encouraged me along the way as I've sort of made my way through life. So you've got a, a skill, obviously, with the numbers as an accountant, which is applicable to many different areas of uh, commercial life. Why did you decide construction was where you felt most at home? 
Uh, I suppose at the time, Mark, uh, I might sound something of a cliche, but construction chose me. I would I, I would say in 2003, I was very happy in the role uh, that I was in. And I was approached at that stage to consider taking on, at that point in time, the role of finance director with Gilbert Ash. Back in 2003, I was at a very young age of, of 32 years old. And to be truthful, I really didn't consider that I would be uh, selected for the position. I thought there were people with an awful lot more experience than, than I would have had. Um, but I decided to throw my my hat in in the ring at that stage. And, and I'm glad to say that the, the chairman and, and the managing director of the company then, I suppose they took a bit of a risk. Uh, they took a bit of a risk in appointing me at, at that age, as I say, perhaps over others who are maybe more experienced than, than I was. Um, and since then, you know, I, I became managing director of the company in 2012, and I suppose I haven't looked back. Um, my my accountancy skills have served me very well as uh, managing director of of the company. But if you look at many construction companies, you don't often find accountants leading them. You often find that the people who lead construction companies have a construction background. But I suppose I'm I'm very fortunate in that I have you know people here the board and senior people and other people around me who have that experience and expertise. And uh, I suppose uh, I've really enjoyed my my time in construction. It's, it's very different. Uh, every day is different and brings new challenges. But, you know, in general, I have really enjoyed uh, the time I've had here, which is approaching now on, on 20 years at this stage. So uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, whether it's a homeowner building an extension or a much bigger construction project, I think building has that reputation that the numbers tend to always increase and that the initial quote, uh, you can double it by the time you get to the end of the project. As an accountant, have you found that's the case or not? Well, I suppose we, we, we try to manage the, the sort of expectations of what everybody throughout the process, Mark. You know, I think uh, one of the reasons why we are successful is that we do exactly what we say we will do at the beginning. Uh, we're certainly not one of those organizations or construction companies that seeks to, to take advantage of, of our clients or our supply chain uh, through, through the projects that we're involved in. So uh, we do try to manage costs uh, right throughout the process so that at the very end of it, uh, no one feels as if uh, they've been harshly treated. So, yeah, I admit, clearly the industry itself, Mark, does have a reputation for 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 that type of uh, behaviour. But I suppose we we do tend to 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 avoid it um, as best we can. Uh, certainly, over the past year, all uh, sectors of industry have faced major challenges with COVID, and also in Northern Ireland, we have the whole uh, continuing Brexit transition. How have you found the last few months? Um, I suppose well, the, the last year, Mark, the last 15 months have been certainly one of the most challenging times of, of my own career. I think, you know, as I, as I look back, you know, I don't think we've ever witnessed or experienced anything quite like what we've seen that has uh, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Certainly my own sense is it's, it's unprecedented and we've seen the impacts of it right across uh, the world. You know, I've I suppose, as I say, I've been working in construction now for close to 20 years. We've seen recessions over that time. We've seen cyclical downturns during that time. Um, what I suppose we've seen in COVID-19 is is 
unprecedented. There's no rule book for it. There's no sort of pattern as to how we should all behave. Um, and I suppose it has been hugely challenging. I suppose where we've been fortunate, though, is we're one of the few sectors which throughout that entire period has been encouraged and allowed to carry on. You know, if I look back to to March of, la- of, of last year, to be honest, uh, like many other people, you know, we weren't entirely sure what the impact of COVID-19 would, would be or would look like. Uh, to, to an extent, we probably all thought that the sky was going to fall in. Um, we closed our sites for three weeks at that stage. And that was really to, to properly give some consideration to how we could, uh, from a health and safety perspective, bring our staff back onto sites in a safe manner. Uh, but I'm pleased to say we were able to do that. We, we brought our site staff back, our projects uh, restarted again. And uh, I suppose since then, what I've seen in our staff has been quite remarkable, just this desire to roll up your sleeves uh, and get on with things as, as best you can. So um, certainly it's been, it's been challenging. Uh, it has been incredibly challenging. As I say, it's been unprecedented. But I think what, as I say, has struck me has been just how we have all uh, responded to it. Uh, so you've had to be imaginative in the way that you, you've responded. And also, of course, now we're back in recovery mode. Uh, that brings its own challenges, doesn't it? I, I think a lot of the raw materials in building and construction are, are, are proving quite hard to get at the moment. They are, they are Mark. You know, you're, you're absolutely right. I suppose what we see is a huge release of, of, of pent-up demand, uh, coupled, uh, I think, as well, Mark, with some of the impacts around Brexit, you know, so worldwide, we're seeing a shortage of materials. We're seeing, we're seeing significant increases in the cost of materials. Just last week, we received notification from our supplier that timber was increasing by, by 50%. And, and those increases just land on your lap, um, and, and create, you know, significant disruption. Uh, and coupled then to with, you know, the red tape. Uh, as a result of Brexit, which is causing delays at ports in terms of getting materials shipped through. So it is presenting real challenges for us. You, you, you think as well that, you know, like many other construction companies, we're in contract. You know, you've no opportunity up, up the line, upstream to recover any of those price increases back from your clients. Downstream, you have your, your supply chain, your, the, the subcontractors that you work with all of the time and difficulties. And I suppose what you try to do is is to help them manage those cost increases, uh, you know, as best that you can. It also makes your know, tendering very difficult, where you don't know uh, what the next price increase will look like. You know, you're you're tendering multiple million pounds contracts that may not start until, say, the beginning of next year, and so it makes it makes everything very very challenging. Um, but I, again, I suppose all, all all we can do is is sort of roll up our sleeves. Uh, work as as in, in a determined way in which we've always worked and try to overcome those challenges as best we can. At the start of the program, I mentioned uh, some of the uh, landmark projects you've been involved in, uh, Gilbert Ash, Royal College of Music, Foreign and Commonwealth Office, National Portrait Gallery, quite a lot of London uh, landmarks there, but also projects around the world. Do you uh, just have to sit at your desk and look at them from afar or do you get to see some of these on site? And, and what are the projects you'd be most proud of? I think, I suppose, an important part of what I do, Mark, is is getting around the sites, getting around the construction sites, uh, chatting to our people, chatting to our supply chain, chatting to our, our clients and really getting a sense of how things are 
progressing. So um, while head offices here in Belfast, as you say, many of our construction sites are spread right across the UK and indeed as far afield right now as, as, as France. So we've recently completed work on the ambassador's residence in in Paris. So um, And so re regularly we get on the plane. Our, most of our staff still come from Northern Ireland and I think it's very important uh, while you know we look to them to travel weekly or every other week across their construction sites, it's very important to them that they see me and they see my colleagues on the site on a regular basis chatting to them. As you say, I suppose in terms of you know some of the contracts that we have on on the ground right now, you know there are you know there are many landmark projects that we can look to, not least the National Portrait Gallery, which started just earlier this year, hugely prestigious. Uh, project for a very, very prestigious client that will really add to our sort of long uh, case study of, of historic buildings. Um, I suppose I, I've been proud to be involved in many of those iconic buildings over the year, Mark, and I suppose I wouldn't like to maybe highlight anyone in, in particular, but if you look back, the Everyman Theatre won the Sterling Prize, um, having seen two of our projects pre previously been shortlisted for the Sterling Prize. So yeah, that's a particular project that we're, you know, I and we are particularly proud of being uh, involved in. Presumably all those big projects are massive collaborations with other partners involved and you've got to dovetail with them. You do. Um, and I suppose that's key to our success. That's key to to how, you know, we go about things. Um, you know, I suppose the reality of, of construction projects in particular is that you do hit difficulties along the way. You, you don't, you will hit you know, we'll hit bumps along along the way as you get towards completing projects, and I suppose what characterises us uh, as as separate from others might be the fact that you know it's how I suppose it's how you deal with those challenges that really marks out who you are, and it really does require collaboration. It requires innovation. It requires determination, right across all the people involved in those uh, construction projects to make it happen. You know, you think about you know those. Projects that we talked about, the Everyman Theatre, the National Portrait Gallery, um, some of the colleges that we're doing in Cambridge right now, they're incredibly complicated, incredibly complex projects. Uh, and it really does require everybody to, you know, put their shoulder to the wheel to make it happen. And that does require collaboration right across uh, all the stakeholders that are involved, from clients all the way through to your suppliers. How would you say that construction has evolved since you first started out in it? I suppose there've been a number. There's been a number of changes, Mark, since the early 2000s, whenever I first became involved in construction. I suppose if I think about my own personal contribution, you know, towards that change, you know, I'm really deeply proud of the the involvement I have had in bringing a, a strong voice to the need for improvement and diversity in the workplace. For example, so back in the early 2000s, you know, construction sites would would typically have been uh, male dominated uh, and it really uh, was not a particularly diverse place uh, for for people to work. I've, I suppose, really tried to bring some change to that during my time as Managing Director of Gilbert Ash. And I suppose that's largely because if I consider my own life, you know, I have a, I have a 14 year old son and I have a 10 year old daughter and I'd hate to think that my daughter would have you know, doors closed to her that would otherwise be open to to my son. And I suppose it's because of that that I've really tried to bring about change in, in diversity and inclusion in the construction sector. So at Gilbert Ash, for example, we have 
a workforce which is made up of 24, 21% female, uh, which, you know, I suppose doesn't sound great, but when compared to the industry average of 12%, really does show, you know, how we have taken steps to really improve that uh, sort of diversity agenda. And I suppose that's really on the basis that, you know, I, I'm a strong believer that diversity has a great capacity to bring innovation and, and creativity to the workplace. So, so I think we've, we've, we've done a lot over the time to improve the image of construction uh, over the course of the last number of years and to, to show people that a career in construction can be very broad and can be very uh, sort of wide ranging. Do you think the public maybe still has an image, an old fashioned image of building as, as ma- a male dominated sort of hog carrying um, manual uh, job, whereas there's increased use of technology now and offsite construction? Yes, I think I think so, Mark. I think one, you know, one sort of key thing we've, we've constantly tried to overcome is, you know, the perception that it is male dominated uh, and really is not welcoming to to say females, for example, and 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 I suppose a large part of that is trying to sort of encourage mums and dads, you know, right across the piece that, that a career in construction uh, can open up a whole world of opportunities to to their children. Um, and as you say, as you touched on there, another sort of major change that we've we've seen over the course of the last couple of years has been in terms of digital transformation. You know, construction has long suffered from a reputation as being one of the least digitized sectors, uh, ranks uh, ranks sort of at one stage uh, in terms of how digitalized it was alongside the uh, farming sector. So um, I think what we have tried to do is to really improve that image. And I suppose at Gilbert Ash, we've really embraced digital tra- transformation. I suppose to an extent to, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic has really also forced us all to embrace the, the the powers of of what what digital uh, techniques can offer us, not least in in Zoom and Teams, but in a whole host of of other ways. Um, and I suppose you know it's it's really helped us. I think Meg, you know, huge advances. And as you say, you know, offsite construction, it's helped us in terms of you know making sure that we avoid clashes on site. It's helped us to reduce waste on our sites and i suppose a large part now also is around improving our carbon footprint as well so so i think you know in general construction has a really great opportunity to to offer career paths uh, that maybe people haven't sort of considered before how would you characterize your leadership style within gilbert ash <laughs> i suppose that's interesting yeah I, I would i would say that i'm far from an authoritarian Leader Mark is how I would sort of uh, be, begin to answer the question. Um, you know, at Gilbert Ash, we have a lot of remarkable people, and a large part of how I lead is listening and valuing the opinion of others. You know, I have, I suppose, the confidence to lead from the front, but at the same time, you know, I listen and keep it in mind. I think what you will find if you were to talk to uh, many of my colleagues in the business here is they would they would say that my door is always open. Um, I suppose I've always been keen to develop and nurture a culture where people feel included and they feel engaged and they feel motivated and able to contribute without fear of of someone you know saying that that was not the right thing to do. Um, and so I suppose I would, as I say, tend to lead along those lines. Uh, I, what I've also really 
uh, I suppose considered to be important is communication. You know, and communication is key, central to my to my leadership uh, style, and I work very hard to keep everyone informed of of how the company's performing uh, and the challenges we're encountering and what we're doing to sort of develop solutions to those. And I suppose that style, that communication in particular, has been uh, really important over the course of the past fifteen months. You know, you consider. Where, you know, last March, you know, people were confused. People felt uncertain. They really didn't know what was around the corner. And I suppose at that stage, I recognized, you know, very, very early on that communication was key. Communicating sometimes, you know, difficult messages as well as very positive messages. But I think it's important that people know, you know, what's happening within the organization and what steps we're taking to, to, to affect change. So. Have there been moments when you've seen something that you've felt really does need to change? And then how do you go about actually achieving that? Um, well, I suppose, yes. Like, uh, like every business, you know, we have to be agile. We have to be responsive. We have to be able to change. Um, and I suppose a key part of that is, 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 is never forcing change on people. It's making sure that, you know, people, your staff, come along with you on that journey and they feel empowered, as I say, empowered to contribute towards it. I think, you know, you, I have certainly never sought to force change in people because I think that will lead to, to resistance. You know, one of the biggest changes, I suppose, that I have overseen in our organization has been, you know, the switch away from an organization that was entirely focused on the market in Northern Ireland, you know, to an organization which is, uh, I suppose still recognizes very much so the importance of the market here, but um, which is, you know, very much more concentrated on uh, UK and, as I say, much further afield. And if you consider what that meant, you know, especially from our site staff, you know, it meant them all of a sudden moving from being, you know, home every day to now, you know, situations where they're maybe only home once a week or or once every other week. So, you know, an, an important part of the success around that was communication. And as I said, bringing people along with us on the journey and, and, and I suppose ensuring that they understood the importance of that change to the organization and, and to them as individuals. I suppose there are other Northern Ireland firms who might be listening to this who might think, yeah, we're doing okay in our home market, but how do you break out of it? Was it a case of uh, lucky breaks or was it something that was slowly worked on over a period of time? I suppose if I look back on it, Mark, at the time, there were, there were two, two strands to it. We, our first project in mainland UK was with a client from Northern Ireland. And I suppose to that extent, we were fortunate in that we had a ready-made uh, project with a client whom we knew to, to uh, I suppose, establish something of a footprint in, in GB. Um, whenever the, the sort of recession struck, uh, that really forced us, though, to, to really think things differently. You know, we very quickly saw opportunities in Northern Ireland slow down. You know, we knew that if we didn't take you know, quick, pretty decisive and pretty quick action, um, that we would, w- that we would genuinely, uh, struggle. Uh, and so we, we really started to look to, to the market in mainland UK and look at the opportunities there and really develop our business opportunities there. And I suppose what we, what we learned was, um, that we are, you know, as an organization and as people, maybe more importantly, you know, we are equal to, uh, and better than every other sort of organization 
that that one can consider. I think we we tend in Northern Ireland here to to be very reluctant to sort of say how good we are. You know, we're we're always uh, very reluctant to do that. We're always uh, very reluctant to really shine a light into the successes of, of what we do. And 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 I think we we need to I think we need to change that. You know, I think we should not be afraid to say you know how well we're performing, how successful we have been. And you know, as, as I say, we've we've certainly been struck by by how successful we've been in 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 the UK generally, and as well as that, I suppose how you know how small that marketplace really is. You know, it's a bit like here; every everybody knows everybody else, and you know, once once you get a bit of a foothold there, and and if you perform well, you can really start to build on that. Uh, would you say that you were able to compete because of cost, or was it the specialist skills that your staff could bring to bear on the projects? Um, I think I think there's a, there's there's a number of elements to it, um, Mark. I suppose I I would say it's from our perspective, our success is largely built on our approach. You know, as I said at the beginning, the the construction sector has has sort of traditionally suffered from a reputation, one which is disputes led. Um, and I suppose where we sort of changed that slightly was focus on collaboration. You know, a focus on getting things done, and you know, people uh, who who joined us on that journey. Um, obviously, the numbers had to had to stack up alongside that. You know. A, Obviously, we had to make sure that our costs were right. And bear in mind, you know, that, uh, and it still is the case, that many of our sort of supply chain partners all come from Northern Ireland too. So, you know, we've really sort of created this, you know, huge success story, not just in Gilbert Ash, but right across, you know, the people who work with us. Uh, and I suppose, that, uh, you know, I think costs are important, but I think it's more the approach and it's more our people that has really sort of carved us out and really helped contribute to the su- successful story that we have. Away from work, Ray, what kind of things do you do to unwind? Um, I suppose I said it earlier on, uh, I, I love spending time with my family. I have two, two children, uh, of a uh, son and a daughter, uh, and I suppose I love really spending time with them and, and with my, my wife just to give myself time away from the office and really sort of spend some quality time uh, with them, enjoy nothing uh, more than heading up to the Causeway Coast and and relaxing up there with them. Uh, this time last year, we we bought a pizza oven. Very fortunate to have managed to get one of those pizza ovens that are very hard to get. And I suppose we really enjoy now, you know, at the weekend, uh, getting the pizza oven out and 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 the kids and my wife and I and and extended family uh, making making pizzas and, and what have you. So recently joined uh, the golf club in our in our local town, and we're trying to spend a bit more time, sort of playing golf. So my 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 time away from Gilbert Ash tends to be sort of concentrated mostly on on spending time with with my family and activities with them. What's the favourite pizza? Pizza f- favourite pizza, Mark. Uh, my, the, the thing that uh, really does annoy my wife most is she spends most of the time making the dough and everything else, and all I do is put the pizza into the oven, and sixty seconds later it's ready, and I get all the credit for it. But the favourite pizza probably is just simple mozzarella, ham, and pepperoni. That's certainly my daughter's favourite anyway. So that tends to be what we what we what we use most of the time. Uh, and just uh, finally, what advice would you give a twenty-year-old Ray starting out on your working life? Well, <laughs> I, I can just about remember the twenty-year-old Ray, uh, Mark. It seems a very, very long time ago now, mind you. But yes, I can just about remember the twenty-year-old Ray. Um, I suppose I I was given advice um, 
in my career uh, at an early stage to always speak up. You know, have the confidence to speak up uh, and let your voice be heard. Don't be afraid to to ensure your voice is heard. You know, your your contribution is important, and and certainly don't wait to be asked. You know, and so if I was able to go back to the, the very young Ray, almost thirty years ago now, I would encourage that person to just use their voice, use 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 your voice, and don't be afraid to speak up. Don't sit back. You never never sit back and allow others to sort of dictate the pace and dictate the progress. Um, well, it can be intimidating, you know, it can be intimidating in a room in particular to sort of to say and to speak. Um, I would always encourage a can-do attitude and encourage your young Ray to, to not feel failure. Well, thank you, Ray Hutchinson from Gilbert Ash for chatting with us today. I hope everyone listening enjoys this conversation as much as I did. As I mentioned at the start, this podcast series is brought to you by the Northern Ireland Chamber in partnership with the executive search firm Narratology. So if you're looking for that next step up in your career to C-suite level, why not get in touch with Ruth by checking out narratologyexec.com. That's narratologyexec.com. But for now... From all of us here, goodbye.